episode number 194 i'm your host aditya and along with me i have abhishek hello everyone it's a first in the history of indicast that we've been recording three on a trot we have put ourselves on a regimented schedule now we are using multiple tools to keep <laughs> us repeatedly reminding us that there is indicast recording that is coming up etc we have like three alarms set up in google calendar for each other in spite of that we need to send each other messages in the morning hey are you up man yeah. <laughs> <laughs> see it's not only part of the laziness i think laziness is like 25% of it but after that there is will abhishek have electricity at his place sometimes there are load shedding problems <laughs> the same applies to me will the internet be working properly it's not just about us being lazy we have excuses don't we we, we have got tons of them <laughs> yeah that's what is happening when the sixth phase of polling has been completed and mumbai didn't quite come out in the big numbers that were expected and only registered about 52% the voter turnout released by the election commission stood at 31% at 1 pm which scared everyone actually yes but it was still 10% more than the previous elections wasn't it 2009 it was 43% it was expected to be 70% even the election commission was pegging it at uh, 70% based on all the activities that they had done and all those things west bengal completed 82% Wow, that's brilliant. That's huge. There are three more rounds to go, right? And the last one will happen on May 12th and the results will be published on May 16th, the big day. This is the longest elections in the history of any economy, any country. So so let me correct you, right? This election has the most number of phases, but it is not the longest. Longest was the first one which ah, right, happened right. over 4 months. but lesser number of phases as such there have been calls for reducing the number of days the indian elections is protracted over a pretty long period of time during which you know businesses hold off their decisions the police force that is deployed in all the polling booths is not from the state but from the center so there have been many calls to reduce the number of days and accept votes by just like estonia does let's say online or over telephone and all of that you see that happening anytime soon because there are countries where in thailand the recent general election was annulled because it could not finish it in one single day brazil indonesia america they do it in one day and us is a pretty big country and they don't even have electronic voting machines so many people are saying you know you should have a shorter one i don't this is a complex question that you are asking right yeah 815 million people right yeah absolutely that's, that's right true. it's just the enormity of the whole exercise election commission also has set itself high goals to achieve saying ki a polling booth has to be in a radius of 2 kilometers of every voter i had the figure of the number of polling booths available the number itself is just so vast that having enough people to man the booths and the security i don't know whether it will be possible to do it in a day definitely, definitely not, not in, a day. in a day probably from nine phases they could optimize it to seven i'm sure they had very good reasons to put it over nine uh, true i think election commission we spoke very highly of election commission last time and they they do such a phenomenal job yeah they do a very good job in organization but they don't do a very good job when it comes to implementing sanctions as such because what we saw in especially in up was people making comments right left and center communal comments 
and yet all they got was a just a slap on the wrist they put sanctions on them and then the candidates went and appealed and then they said oh, okay okay you feel sorry now so you can what did they say what did they say did they pit muslims against hindus and stuff like that or what they were using vote as a community aapko badla lena hai to button dabaiye so they used the word badla which i think the election commission could have done a lot more do you think their job is like that traffic policeman in peak traffic where he will let, yeah, yeah. let go a couple of bikers without the helmet because there is not enough time to argue with those guys or to pull them over because they are busy managing the traffic yeah it could be also you mentioned the next election day is on 12th of may which is going to be the big one when modi goes into election against in the varanasi much talked about much hyped varanasi constituency where just to file his nomination Modi spent an entire day and there was a big rally he's a rock star there isn't he he's a rock star <laughs> there right now i think modi is being a rock star everywhere that he goes this time he's pulling in massive number of crowds the varanasi constituency has 42 candidates 79 filed their nominations 34 got rejected and there is also something called as a covering candidate did you know about that i didn't know about covering candidate so covering candidate is basically kisi ka naam dal ke rakhte hain until the actual candidate from the party files his nomination because in case something happens to the candidate then they at least have one candidate in there oh it's like playing underarm cricket when your team is shot by two people you borrow two people from the other side for the time being in the fielding or, side or oh thoda do over ke liye fielding kar bhai do over ke liye aa raha hai mera bhai aa raha hai <laughs> yes exactly. covering Some candidate time. interesting man that's innovative it will be fun to figure out if other countries other democracies have have this so well it's not all happy news while west bengal saw an 82% turnout there were also unfortunately poll officials that lost their lives in dumka area in charkand the rebels the maoists they set off a landmine as a bus was carrying officials across a bridge near asna village which killed a polling officer right and they shot four paramilitary soldiers and two polling officials who were carrying the voting machines and also in kashmir uh, one election official was killed and five others were wounded mohammad ziaul haq of herpora in the polling booth of nagbal when the terrorists they opened fire on a van that was retreating that is going back which is very surprising because why would you try and attack a polling booth after the election has been done but the same militants are supposedly said to have been killed the next day when the army actually went around looking for these guys and in fact a major from the army also lost his life in the encounter the encounter went on for 20 hours they say wow. in in the shopian district rest in peace we don't get to hear such stories do we like what happens afterwards not just that right there have been two more deaths at least that have been reported in the media that of people on election duty itself people who are manning the polling booths which is basically being attributed to bad conditions first of all it is happening at peak of summer in the middle of summer the polling booths mostly are set up in schools in municipal schools and did you know that almost 70% of the staff is actually municipal teachers it's compulsory for them to serve at uh, polling booths like my mom she teaches in a private school and uh, this year her school was exempt for whatever reason but i've dropped her early in the morning as early as 5 to nearby schools to get there and see to it that the electronic voting machines are in place and the infrastructure is there in fact male teachers sleep overnight 
there to ensure that all of it is in place and i think it's expected of them it's their duty part of the noble profession and yes just yesterday the front page news at times of india said that one professor died at the poll because you mentioned the poor working conditions there maybe the heat or maybe he was denied leave on that day yeah he was in both the cases they were denied leave and they were not keeping well however if you don't show up legal action can oh. be started against you for not showing up and hence they decided to go and report on duty and one of them had a severe heart attack the other one fell down because of exhaustion and then later died in the hospital so this goes back to your question about can we do it in a day when two people die it is it is trouble and we all know what conditions the polling booths operate under tough job there's one country though which deserves a pat on the back for doing exactly this in one day it's a small country obviously but has its troubles is afghanistan they had their elections earlier this month we know just to have a safe and sound elections in a country like afghanistan is a big deal so some 200000 troops were deployed and when you include the number of policemen there was 350000 of them on the streets some 7 million afghans they appeared to vote 35% of them were women which was a big number and in the papers you had these burqa clad women showing the ink stained finger and that supposedly was taken as a symbol of defiance they don't have as many polling booths as india obviously but 6000 polling centers were opened and only 200 of them were closed because of the threat from taliban the interior minister who's umair daudzai he said that taliban had planned 140 attacks and in spite of that people did come out to vote in 2009 if you were somebody who was of voting age in afghanistan if, and if you were told boss in 2009 elections there were 30 bombings that took place only in kandahar then you would think twice about going out there and voting in spite of that millions turned out and they also had the problem of getting the voting ballot boxes to these constituencies because they are so far flung that they had to be carried on donkeys uh, helicopters <laughs> do not go there and they had to be brought back the same way absolutely 444 polling stations they say for 6.9 million votes well best of luck for them and i hope that they get a candidate this time we need to move on to our uh, next topic where an egypt court has sentenced 683 people to death after finding them guilty for murder and attempt to murder of policemen in minya last year this was during the arab spring revolution happening 683 people in one go they were supporters of president mohammed morsi earlier yes and and it's strange that this is happening in a time where other countries are banning capital punishment or at least having a curb on death penalties in fact in the us last year they only had 80 death sentences and not all of them will be carried out there are people who are dying of old age the ones who are on the list and did you know it costs more to execute a prisoner than to lock him up for life Oh wow really yes for instance in Maryland it costs you three times more as compared to a life imprisonment because two things one is you serve like 30 years before you actually get to the news you've got a chance to hire very expensive lawyers and then these death row inmates have private rooms so they have their own cells of course it's in human conditions sometimes you don't see daylight for 20 hours but it's expensive real estate there's another reason why juries are now happy giving death sentences even in the state of texas which is known to kill more people than any other state in the us is that you can hand out a life sentence without parole so juries will know that this guy is never going to get out of prison after having done the killing but as per again from amnesty international till in 2009 china executed more people than the rest of the world put together wow and then in saudi arabia itself 69 people were publicly beheaded 
as part of the sentence iran executed at least 112 people in 8 weeks after the presidential elections uh, seven prisoners were under 18 at the time of the offense were executed in 2009 and talking about these same numbers in india right when you compare them as of 11th february 2013 there are in fact 476 convicts on death row in india but there have been only three instances where death penalty has been carried out the most recent was kasab then before that a couple Abzal of Guru, months right? before that was afzal gur mm-hmm. yes and then after that it was dhananjay chatterjee back in 1995 but again our system isn't perfect because uh, in june 2012 Pratibha Patel when she was ending her 5 year term as president she commuted death sentences of as many as 35 people mm-hmm. bringing it down to life imprisonment and in fact on the same day she provided clemency to 35 people on the same day which caused another embarrassment because one of the convicts had already died 5 years ago Boy. and she was she provided him clemency <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Talking about not being a perfect system in the US, long long back when Bill Clinton, he was he was a governor of Arkansas. There was one guy called Ricky Ray Rector. He was so mentally disabled and he was still given the injection and that guy said he'll save the last bite of the pecan pie from his last meal for later. he said i'll save it for later he was that mentally disabled before we move on just just one bit of trivia did you read about that iranian mum who pardoned the killer of her son while the news was around him she went up to him she slapped him and uh, after a lot of pressure put by her relatives and by the government she basically stalled a capital punishment that was being conducted in krantivi style that nana patekar movie in front of a crowd public hanging so and she said i am a believer i had a dream in which my son told me that he was at peace and in a good place so i decided to do this apparently in iran you can intervene under the country's interpretation of islamic sharia laws so that's what happened and then she cried and then she went back and the guy will live a life and i don't know if he'll be imprisoned but he'll live so yeah that also happens in some countries there is a close call for him there was a close call do you know there are european companies which provide these chemicals to america which are used in the needle the european companies are uh, stopping the supply of these chemicals because they know that they are being used to kill people in the us so the americans are coming up with different concoctions which can help ease the process of dying for the guy who is on that penalty there is this drug called propofol it's a it's an anesthetic but this dr- german drug maker it supplies 90% of that thing to the us and it says no 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 we are not going to be sending that anymore and when they got to know that it was being smuggled the european union just imposed certain sanctions on the us and said that we will impose certain sanctions oh, wow. if you stop doing that and there are three drugs sodium thiopenthal it induces unconsciousness there is something called as pancuronium bromide it stops breathing and potassium chloride it stops the heart and in 2011 there is just one american producer which produces sodium thiopental it ceased production suddenly they didn't know what to do and it's not performed by doctors because doctors find it unethical to kill people so it's performed by people who are not exactly trained to do these jobs so there is another reason for abolishing death penalty some lawyers claim or next time what we could just do is shift over from our midday meal program to them it's so sad man yeah true Yeah, nothing happened about that story, did it? When thirty odd kids died after eating the midday meal program food. Uh, such is the system. Let's move on to the next topic that we have at hand. Thousands of more children than usual were born in 
Beijing in the year 2008, the number eight is considered to be lucky. And also, China hosted the Olympic Games, which is having an adverse impact six years later when all these kids that were born are now trying to get into the first grade. And 10,000 more applicants have come in, which is straining the education system in Beijing right now. What problem is that? <laughs> on August 8, 2008, at 8.08 p.m., that was the time when the opening ceremony of the Olympics uh, was held and it was considered to be a lucky number where people were timing their babies to be born at that hour. Families welcomed Olympic babies and... Uh, so it wasn't just the Olympians in the stadiums who were <laughs> yes. up to... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> were were playing games but even some other people were having their own sporting event you bet in fact time. in fact the in the winter olympics at russia earlier this year they distributed some 1 lakh condoms in the olympic village because it is known that they like to get it on because there are so many high testosterone male female and athletic bodies <laughs> to go with young people in the you know best shape of their lives Of course, you know, things are going to happen. This happened at CWG yeah. as well, didn't it? Oh, yes, it did. This year, England is faced with 7 lakh births. That's almost 70% of the population of some European Union countries. This is the first time in 40 years that England is facing this baby boom and they are pegging it to the Olympics that happened. You said England. One. What do you mean it's China, right? Oh no, well, this also happened in England, I mean. China, yes, there are 10,000 more students ah. this year in school. That's because they are six years old now. And England, on the other hand, is facing the biggest baby boom in 40 years because there were 700,000 births in England this year. There are psychologists, clinical psychologists, who say that the reason is that it's a festive atmosphere. It's like a celebration time. everywhere even when yeah. you go to work you feel happy about it because it's such a carnival like atmosphere the whole world is watching you there are these processions happening on streets and everyone is basically happy and that's an outlet you know the outlet that's an outlet <laughs> yeah so but the interesting thing is it is not only going to put pressure on the education system but that these 10000 babies are going to face competition throughout their lives getting into college getting it through you know all these standardized tests that they'll have to go when they hit the job market i mean of course there are going to be dropouts and all those things but the extra number of applicants added in the competition is going to be throughout the life so their lives are basically crazy going to be crazy and they can for sure blame their parents for it yeah <laughs> they have the license to be mad at their parents at least for a bit why couldn't you hold your urge back by a few months i could have been in the other class where there is a little less competition the next class is like empty almost empty right? <laughs> very quickly talking about babies indicast has added well apart from aditya's lovely little one we have down under australia busy nation co-host former ritika she also is a mom so we well, we are adding babies to indicast man it's not just china and not other countries we we have an extended family of sorts now that is compulsory listeners compulsory listeners they could probably listen to us in the in the womb at least my baby could listen to me recording so he was getting his dose of my forced opinion on him <laughs> yes so let's move on to the next story that we have now and uh, let's talk about nokia nokia as many of us might know has moved its mobile business to microsoft and nokia in its new avatar is all set to name the india born rajiv suri as its next ceo suri actually got his degree from mangalore university he got his bachelor's from there and he's one of those rare breeds they say who does not have an mba 
so he has come up the ranks he's an out and out engineer of course heavy on technology but then has been taking up a lot of business role within nokia and he has been known to actually turn around the network equipments business which now accounts to 50% of nokia's revenue after right. the mobile business was hyped off he was raised in kuwait and he's lived in seven countries uh, so nigeria germany singapore finland india so yeah he's been around no harvard degree but that's fine no absolutely and the funniest part was actually his media profile where definitely a pr guy has written this Rajiv Suri is a media shy person and has made Finland his second home where he drives a Maserati to work. Yeah baby, we need to know that, don't I, we? <laughs> I don't think I don't think he's a shy guy if he's, he's driving around in a Maserati, Maserati, right? It's a big thing for Nokia. 32,000 Nokia employees will be transferred to Microsoft. Microsoft itself is not doing too well in the mobile telephony business, so it's like a large last ditch effort. Nokia is not doing well with Samsung beating the hell out of it. Just 5 years back, Nokia was a market leader. Now it's languishing in just above Apple. However, let me correct you there, right? Mm-hmm. So the Nokia telephony business is not what this guy is going to be managing. He's not going to be managing the phones business. That is going to be with Microsoft now. Ah, right. So that comes under Mr Nadela that is Satya Nadela yes and... that is the other indian who apparently loves cricket oh he does ah oh yeah he's he's ridiculous i mean whenever he talks management lessons he talks about cricket in it and then the whole american press is like <laughs> what we don't understand that analogy but anyway right. that that's a separate topic but this guy so yeah. rajiv suri is going to be managing the new nokia the new nokia is basically Nokia Solutions which is a consulting services around network management etc and network equipment itself which is focused more towards mobile for so for example 2G devices 2G antennas radios and all those sort of things the things that go on the tower and managing those equipments is what Nokia is going to be focusing on and then they have also retained a map services that they have so nokia also has here.com and for some reason they have held back on to that so you can definitely see something related to a mapping service that they might put out i don't know whether it's going to be a consumer service most probably it will they'll use it to manage their network towers etc because geolocation is huge when it comes to all these things i think this is enough reason for you to start techka masala with somebody who knows a thing or two about technology ah uh, <laughs> yes that has yes. been on my mind Yes, I'm going to be starting tech commercials very soon. Fingers crossed. Let's hope that Fingers happens. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Yes, and we never actually got to talk about Satya Nadella as oh, much. Oh yes, yes. Did go we? ahead. He's young, isn't he? He's in his late forties, which is pretty young for a CEO of Microsoft. Absolutely, and he's gotten rave reviews from uh, the Wall Street because it was after five years. that a microsoft ceo actually joined an earnings call and bamer never used to come on these calls so the wall street was always never knew what was happening in microsoft this guy seems to be a lot more transparent in what his strategy is going to be which he is quoting it to be mobile first and cloud first and he then goes on to explaining what that is it is not just a tagline that someone has come up with so he goes in the call itself he went into what that means hmm. which you know which the wall street likes he's talking the language that people understand and on march 27th they announced a string of cloud products for IT departments today what happens is you work on multiple devices you can carry your office work on your cell phone and that cell phone yeah. need not be from the company so it's multiple pen drives hard drives so microsoft has unveiled a string of products which can help IT departments across the world to save their stuff on the cloud 
Yeah, and see, so far, Microsoft has been that, you know, Microsoft Word is optimized or works best on a Windows machine. So they don't actually focus a lot of their time on creating a Mac version, a Linux version. The same thing you can say is that they are also creating a lot of their software for non-PC devices or non-Windows devices. That is for iPads, iPhones, etc. Right now, very soon you will see the entire office suite available for iPad also, which itself is going to be huge. They are giving away the Windows mobile OS for devices that are smaller than five inches, which is unheard of in Microsoft history. They will have to do things that are unheard of in their history. There was a report by Gartner which said that in 2013, Windows tablets, there were 4 million Windows tablets sold, whereas Apple sold 26 million in just one quarter, in the last quarter. I mean, Microsoft will have to gear up to do things that Steve Ballmer hasn't done before. And they have also called Bill Gates back in a more enhanced role, haven't they? I think a technology advisor is what the role is, if I remember correctly. So Bill Gates is back. The one thing that I've read in multiple reports about uh, Satya Nadella is that he gives the journalists the feeling that he knows that Microsoft is in a Google and an Apple world now. It is not that Microsoft is the dominant player. You know, Bill Gates didn't have that problem, but Steve Ballmer was almost in denial. Challenges are there, like personal computers with which we have grown up. As in a friend of mine actually had called me at his place to show me a new computer that he had got when we were in SYBcom. He said, this is my new computer. And I was, (laughs) that was the time. That was just 10 years back. And today the sales have been dropping at double digit rates. Gartner, again, it estimates that it will fall by another 6.6% in this year. The office licenses for consumer PCs, that is your suite, the whole Microsoft Word Office PowerPoint, it is 24% lower in the three months to December than a year earlier. So it is getting rogered by all sides. And in spite of that, it's not that all is bad. Microsoft is still a big company. It has revenues. It $43 billion it earned in just six months, which was 15% more than the year before. Uh, So it has those repeat customers. I also read that they're going to be stopping the service to Windows XP, its most successful operating system, and they want people to move to Windows 8. I don't know why they did that, because I I have XP, man. I I haven't moved to any... Oh, even you're on XP right now? Yes, yes. But the Office laptop is on XP, and they refuse to upgrade it. XP has been around for 15 years. Yeah, that's true. They can't keep supporting those sort of things. Well, it doesn't say a lot about Microsoft either, does it? They came up with Vista, they came up with Microsoft 7, and now I think 8 is just about getting its foothold. That's true. They bombed big time with Vista and then 7 was better. 7 was a lot better. better. They have maintained leadership position in one of the most important space, which is the desktop, PC desktop, since they created the market. That is not an easy thing to do. Look at Nokia. In 10 years, they created the mobile market space and now they're irrelevant. They had to sell themselves. Dude, you know, I had read an article in the Wall Street Journal long back saying that iPhone should have come from Nokia and the design was ready, but the management team didn't have the guts to switch from touch key pads to one with has an app-based thing, what iPhone did later. Or just could have put out a couple of Android phones three years ago. Look at Samsung. Apple is now scared of Samsung. That Samsung could very well have been Nokia. Had they been more open to adopting other platforms rather than just doing their own Nokia platform. A classic Microsoft, right? Microsoft did the same thing. They focused on desktop so much that they forgot the internet. And I think it's one of the toughest industries to be in. Things move so fast. Like in 2003, Nokia 1100 phone was launched. Do you remember that small phone? That was my first phone. 
uh, <laughs> when I uh, joined a, a company and it went on to sell 250 million units. It was the world's most popular consumer electronic device and that was 2003. iPhone launched in just five years f from there, that's 2007 and the world has completely shifted to app-based devices or phones and Nokia and the likes were nowhere in the picture. The, that phone also had a torch. <laughs> that was the innovation in it. That it was has the a torch. It has a torch. Yes. It has a torch. Yes. So you you don't know. I mean, people are talking about Apple now in that way. Is ah, they're, they're, because under you know, the new CEO. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. They say I just read a story where they say that the new CEO is completely opposite of Steve Jobs. Yeah. You know, is that a good thing or a bad thing? We don't we don't know. It doesn't seem very positive right now. Yep. At least if the stories are supposed to be believed. Let's move on unless we piss off all our non-technology listeners. But we are moving on to a science story and I hope you like this one. It's fascinating. The most Earth-like planet yet has been discovered and the name of the planet is Kepler-186f. Not the most... It's like a Microsoft version. <laughs> exactly. And although it's the most Earth-like planet, it is still 500 light years away. And one light year is what, X trillion kilometers? I think I should have looked that it's, up. It's, it's far. It's yeah. far. Yeah, it's, it's, very, it's very far. And it says that it orbits its parent star. It's in the Milky Way though. It's in the Milky Way. So it's in the same galaxy. And it is in, in what they call the habitable zone or the Goldilocks zone, which is in, in which temperatures are just right for liquid yeah. water. And it was detected by a telescope, which is Kepler. So you think there are extraterrestrials out there? If it is an Earth-like thing, do you think there are people out there? Wouldn't it be interesting to have a planet like Earth somewhere? And they're trying to find this by installing the world's biggest telescope somewhere in Santiago. They have bombed off the peak of that mountain. It's called the Chilean coast range north of Santiago. There is no water, no civilization. It's completely dry and arid. And they're going to be uh, installing this $800 million European extremely large telescope to, for exactly this reason. Can there be a chance of extraterrestrial life out there? Can it be? Think about it. There has to be. It'll be ridiculous for us to think that if there are Earth-like planets, it'll just be naive on our part to think that Earth is the only place where humans exist or life exists. Life exists. Very true. We are as good as the technology helps us, right? So we didn't have DNA until 50, 60 years back. Well, we had DNA. Just as if we didn't know about it. You've got to give it to the scientists who create these devices like telescope. Do you know how they find if uh, it's like a it's like a grunt work technique? You've yeah, got they to, just keep looking. Right? They just keep looking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There is no and, other way of doing it. There is no software algorithm that can automatically search. Exactly. It's not like you go and type find Kepler 186 yeah, F. No, then the next time Kepler 187 F. It's it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work. They they look this telescope. It looks for a tiny dip of brightness, and it is produced when you know this planet it crosses in front of the star as it is seen from the Earth, and for that moment there is this tiny blip, and if you see many different such dips over a protracted or a predictable schedule then you know ah there is a planet that is revolving around the sun and oh, then oh. astronomers can be i mean reasonably sure that you know oh all right this is what we are looking at and it's it's a planet yeah and then they can work out backwards as to what will be the surface of the star that is being obstructed and then they know the size and and then there are these millions of calculations that carry on which and it always ends in a part eh? yes it does <laughs> <laughs> They've had that, 2000 yeah, part we found one. Yes. Those were the topics that we had up and William Shakespeare, a quick thing, he completed 450 years, I believe. Yes, it was his 450th birthday on 23rd April. And each of the Shakespeare's plays had 
references to birds and there were some 60 species that made it into his book like wrens and owls, night angles, larks, etc. So what happened is one very avid reader of Shakespeare back in 1890, his name was Eugene Schiffelin. He was a German immigrant. What he decided was let's introduce as many species of birds that have been mentioned in his book into the real world. And so he got some 60 starlings into the New York's Central Park in the hope that they will start breeding. They did. There are 200 million of them today and they are a pain in the backside of everybody, including farmers, including uh, <laughs> air traffic controllers. At airports, they flock in such great numbers and there was a plane that crashed and killed many people in 1960 and that was the, the deadliest bird strike in US aviation history when a flock of starlings, they just struck uh, an airplane and the US agriculture estimated loss is $1 billion because oh of God. the damage to crops and they're, they're culling 1 million birds every year but that's not going to help because there are 200 million of them so these are the pitfalls of enjoying Shakespeare a little too much a little too much yes <laughs> control Kariji to control see anyway that's the but Shakespeare big man great man I haven't read any of his works I met my grandfather the other day and he quoted Shakespeare lines from Merchant of Venice and he said you don't know these you haven't heard these I said no no I'm sorry what? Said, and, and you know twinkle twinkle little star exactly and you don't know this Oh, the horror. <laughs> <laughs> the horror, horror. So those were the topics that we had for you guys for episode number 194. So keep listening. Also, I have a very specific instruction and order. Rather, mm. can, I, can I do that to a listener? But anyways, we post a link on our Facebook group. What you guys need to do is hit that share button there. That'll help a lot. So we get more people in, you know, we get more comments, a community starts building up and it's just more fun that way. Please share, hit that share button on our Facebook group so that it appears on your news feed also, on your personal news feed. Yes. Okay. It's an I, order. I, yes, no, I, make I, that a request. And another no, request. Actually, I'm, I'm on my knees right now pleading. While you're at it, stay down as we have another request to go is those 10 second sound clips of the local sounds that you might have wherever you go just flip your mobile phone out and give them to us yeah what was all that thing about i mean i'm sure we have new listeners coming in so oh yes well wherever you are in any part of the world if you find any interesting sound around you whether it's you know whether you are at a temple or a mosque or any random noise which is in voice or sound that is interesting just record it for 10 seconds email it to us at indicast at theindicast.com and in a sentence or to just describe where you were and your name and we will be sure to put it in at the end of the episode absolutely have yes we have one we will do that in the, oh. in the coming week it's not from any listener i just did something so let's see if it works Oh, okay. That's disappointing. <laughs> yes. But that's fine. I mean, people will send us something. I hope so. Let's, yeah. Let's hope so. Knock on wood. So that was about it. If you want to comment on whatever we have said and contribute, please log on to www.theindicast.com. You can also comment on the Facebook post that we create on the group. You can follow us on Twitter. Indicast is at Indicast. I am at AC Mahatri. Abhishek is at Abhishek Kumar. Or just look us up online. That's about it. Until next time, bye-bye.